You're listening to Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM WGGTLP Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. If it's Thursday, it's Do the Mic. And if it's Saturday afternoon at 2, then you're listening to us on WXVU 89.1 FM, Villanova's campus radio station. Mike, to the mic, to the mic. It's good to be back. It feels like it's been a couple of weeks. I think we're just recording a day later, but somehow it feels like it's longer. Do you guys feel that? Um, I don't know. I think it feels kind of shorter because of the uh, 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 time change. Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe that's it. I mean, I'm on vacation, so if this is going faster, I'm going to be depressed. <laughs> So Herman is joining us from sunny California, and he keeps reminding us that it's sunny, sunny California. And I'm uh, not coming back. He's not coming back. Um, I was okay, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, there you go. Always. I never got that show, but okay, I got you. Um, so this is Dr. Renee Norris Jones, and my grandchildren call me Dr. Grandmother. And my pronouns are, I forget them sometimes. She, her, doctor, and I will answer to do once in a while. And I'm here with Sandy, my co-host. Yes, here, Sandy Smith. Day job, I'm a real estate editor at Philadelphia Magazine. Also freelance writer for several other publications, including the local here in Germany. In order to uh, reduce the number of people who send me letters addressed, Dear Ms. Smith, my program, my pronouns, excuse me, are he, him, and his. And also joining with us again this week is our third co-host, Herman Epperson. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Herman Epperson. Um, I just said I'm uh, visiting Los Angeles, California. And my pronouns are he, his, and him. Yes. And... I'm a, normally I'm at uh, Philadelphia, um, in Philadelphia, Community College Philadelphia. Um, I'm a theater major and I'm changing my career. I want to go into writing and acting. Oh, wow. Okay. A former Army, Army National Guardsman for 11 years in the state of Pennsylvania. And I was a minesweeper. Good times, 210 would not recommend. So I just have a question. I know we haven't started yet. You've been out in California for seven or 10 days? Uh, 20. Really? Okay, so in 20 days, you are, you've changed your major. No, no, my major was always theater since I ah, started okay. uh, in 2019. Okay, all right. I, thought I did out the Army in 2017. Okay, all right. Um, and I also want to note that we have a guest, Ms. Sharon Cooks. We, she will join us in a little bit, but uh, Sharon, say hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, and Sandy? Yes. Uh, tonight. Up on the show tonight, uh, we have, uh, in place of the arts and culture segment with uh, Denise, we have uh, our host, Dr. Renee Norris-Jones, speaking on the subject. Then, Ms. Sharon Cooks is our guest for this week's Why Pronouns Matter subject. A segment, excuse me. <laughs> That's followed by Q's Trans Spotlight, Political Cues and News, 
gay answers to straight questions, and our lightning round, newsworthy or not. Um, today in queer history, I don't have anything good. Okay. All right. Do you have something bad? Nothing bad either. Nothing bad. That's good. It's, it's nice to have a neutral day, a neutral day in history, especially with the pandemic. So we have arts and culture. So this is a new segment for us. Danielle is, um, and she's, she's coming to us from Atlanta. She's a playwright. Um, actually, one of her films, uh, maybe four or five years ago, it made the Philly Queer Film Festival. But yeah, it, it was here. So that was huge. That was a huge deal. So I just wanted to talk about arts and culture. I love, love, love the theater, especially Broadway. So one of the things that I looked at was when is Broadway opening? One of the things that I found when looking at, at culture, I saw that there were a host of films that were, that had LGBT characters. Some of them, I didn't realize it until I started looking at the list, but one of them was The Color Purple. And I was just like, The Color Purple? And then they showed the scene with Sophia and what's the woman's name? The Charlotte. You know, she was a jazz singer. Uh, Billie Holiday? No, this was in The Color Purple. Oh, 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 wait, wait. Yes, I know who you're talking about. But oh. I forgot who the character's name is. Right, but, but she was the jazz singer and there were a few moments there with, was that Oprah that played that role? Uh, I think her name was Shug Avery. And Shug Avery, yes, oh my goodness, Shug Avery. And, and Shug Avery. Yes, and she, there was a kind of a moment there, but it took me a minute to realize that. Did you guys realize when I said that, that did you think of the color purple? Can't say I did. Huh, yeah. And the other one, I'll, I'll I just- I haven't seen that movie. I'm sorry? Time, it didn't come to mind. Yeah. I, it's been so long since I watched that movie. Yeah, even, even when it came up, I was just like the color purple. Um, so that was there. Another one was cabaret, kind of a given. And then we have rent, also oh. a given. Those last two weren't too surprising, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I for one am waiting for Broadway to open, and that was my whole piece on this, was just to talk about Broadway and some, some plays and movies that had LGBT themes. And I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm me get, just getting into theater right when the pandemic started. It, I'm hoping Broadway as well as all theaters can get back on track. Cause a lot of people out of work and we've all moved to the Zoom format and I know for some people it's they've been be able to make a living out of it, but some of us are still really struggling. And yeah, I hope Broadway opens, and I hope I hope uh, theater comes back in full swing. And I'm hoping I'm able to get a job. Yeah, well, it's it's actually scheduled to come 
uh, late May, first it was March, now it's saying late May, definitely by the fall. So, and that's here and in London. Let's hope so. Yes, so that was it. And we're going to move on to our pronouns, why pronouns matter segment. And Sharon is our guest for this segment today because I met Sharon five, six, seven years ago, maybe? Dr. Skoll, CCP? I guess there was a segment with Dr. Pestel uh, and um, I think Lindsay heard last week, excuse me, but she was from the Sex Worker Project. Yes, yes. Segment um, for Tapestry of Life. Um, at the CCP studios where I used to be a student. Yeah, and, and then their studios are pretty cool. Oh, it's very cool. It's, it's there, very has cool. any of that reopened back up? Um, I, I, I'm not sure. That was like so many years ago and it's been like eight years since I was a student there, so. Dr. Schools, I want to say at the top of the year and he said that they were still recording. So I'm not sure how they're working it for now, but they are still recording. Um, oh, well, a lot of studios actually are recording if they have like enough budget. They're okay. social distancing, people who are vaccinated, they're just only allowing a limited a number of uh, production staff in. Okay. And the necessary hair and makeup people. Wow, okay. okay. I was in a school play last semester. Um, really? Yeah. Um, the studio uh studio staff sent us uh iphones so we could do it on um they can record it from um our uh our homes and then they brought all the, all the stuff back there and their production uh staff um put together the show um i never got to see the studio in person i hear it's great and i hope i get to see it one day able go ahead i'm sorry um that's it were you able to keep the iPhones? Who sent oh, oh no, those those are CCP property. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this way where all the phones were connected to their network. Right. We needed, we needed a consistent um, image and lighting, so we got right. ring, ring lights. We got uh, these iPhones, and we recorded in our houses. Um, and everything went to CCP Studio. They did all their post production magic there, and they put it out. Very cool. Yeah, the studio is pretty cool. Kind of likes camera action, but back to Ms. Sharon Cook. So we always talk about pronouns, why pronouns matter. I am terrible at sometimes remembering my vague them. Um, no excuse for it, but I try to correct myself. And when we were doing, I'm not, I'm not sure if you mentioned it then, Sharon, but I know when we did the Sandy and I are with the NGJ, I messed up the acronym, National Association of Gay Journalists. And we did Trans Day of Remembrance back in November. No, not this past November, right? Two years ago. Two years ago. Um, and Sharon was one of the hosts. And when I asked for her bio, because I was making the programs and I was making the table cards for our panelists, I asked everyone what their, pan what their pronouns were. And Sharon reminded me, you can call me Ms. Sharon Cooks. Not call her, but identify her as that. And I don't think we've really got into it and it didn't really 
for me, it didn't matter. It's like whatever you need to be called, who am I to say how you should be called? But I know that there has to be some thought, some reasoning, something around it. So I'm going to give you the floor um, to talk about why that is or why you don't take, and this is not, not saying that it's wrong, why, so back up, I'm tongue-tied. Do you go by if Ms. Sharon Cooks is not appropriate for a conversation, should I then call you she, her, they, them? Um, okay. Uh, I asked a lot, right? <laughs> so I'm just going to lay out some of the landscape here. Uh -huh. uh, the event was um, at the Pen and Pencil Club. Yeah. And the media event was, I was a panelist along with several other panelists. Um, and the topic of conversation was how there could be better coverage in the media um, for trans individuals. Yes. Uh, personally, I identify as a heterosexual female. Okay. And for anyone to ask me what my pronouns are is undermining my gender. And it is very offensive. And I understand that there are people in the world now today in 2021 um, that go by various different pronouns. But I live in a very binary world where there are males and there are females. And I respect everyone and how they choose to identify and how they choose to live their life and the decisions that they make. Um, but when it comes, like when someone asks me what my pronouns are, I always look very puzzled because that should be apparently obvious. Okay. Um, so now, is that the point? Is that the part you find offensive when someone asks that question? Yes, when someone yeah. asks me that question, I'm like, why are you asking my pronouns? Like, my name is Sharon, and like, I'm meeting you. You hear me, you see me. So I don't understand why someone would look at me and assume that I was anything other than a she or a her. Okay. That, that, that's what confuses me about um, the whole situation, and that's why I personally get offended. I feel like it undermines my womanhood and it undermines my femaleness. Okay. Um, so to me, you know, I, I, you know, I'm offended by it, and I've never had anyone ask me. I mean, up until recent times in certain spaces, um, like what our pronouns are, and I'm like, well, I don't understand your question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and have you met other people who identify as a heterosexual woman also that use uh, Yes, all of my friends that I, you know, that I know personally um, identify as heterosexual women. Okay, okay. Um, that's new for me, but, um, and it's new because I didn't, I did not come out until I probably was in my 40s maybe late. Um, and the pronouns have been new to me in the last couple of years. So I know that. So what my interpretation is, is that you, you ask about it. You ask about what someone's pronouns are, even in the Sandy Smith, sometimes depending on the group, it might say he, him, you know, it's there. 
um, sometimes in meetings, like I said on the board of Women Against Abuse, and everyone that comes to a meeting has their pronouns there. Um, would you add it in that in that situation? Would you add she, her? Uh, no, I report my specification of wanting having this in front of my name uh -huh. is my social and political way of pushing back against this um, conceptualization of that I need to announce my pronouns when they are obviously clearly very apparent. Okay. Um, and how long, I'm, I'm asking this of you and Herman and Sandy, how long have the, the pronouns, you know, the he, she, they, them, how long has that been around? Well, um, this has really become an issue only with, if you, you know, the rise of awareness of gender non-binary people or transgender individuals whose appearance does not immediately clue you to how they view their gender or sexuality, you know. Um, I mean, consider our former co-host, Griffin. Yes. Um, if you look at them on the street, you would probably want to simply say, you know, to, if you were talking to somebody about them, you would say, he, this, that, or the other. Right. But he does not consider himself strictly male. Um, it's, you know, this is one of the reasons why I consider the spread of singular they a welcome development you know i mean it's it, it was it's originally what has been promoted as a replacement for he as a pronoun to indicate a non-specific person of non-specific gender as in everyone is a very sterile I, I get i get it but it sounds very sterile to hear. Well, it, it's hard. It's hard to explain it any other way. I mean, right, right. I hear you. I mean, you know, like the sentence, "Everyone's entitled to his opinion." You know, that cuts out half the population, so right. everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, but now you have individuals using they to say, "This is who I am. I'm not a he. I'm not a she. I'm a they." I actually understand where you're coming from, Sharon. Uh, in, in, my, in my case, it's the people who have never seen me who send me letters addressed to dear Ms. Smith. But nobody should get confused about who you are looking at you. Yeah. So, um, Renee, what I think Sandy is talking about is we have historically had this, um, we've been taught to use masculine pronouns, he, him, when referring to people, we don't even know what the hell they are, if they're female or not. But that was the way we were taught. Like he said, he was like, he, uh, do you know who he is? Instead of actually thinking, hey, well, maybe that name actually belongs to someone who's female. And then going to they was the catch all. To, to try to be respectful for everyone um, 
that doesn't fit on one side or the other in between. But as far as answering the question of when the pronouns have been, um, my thoughts changed about pronouns was, uh, when I moved into uh, West Philly in um, 2018, I, start, I moved into a big LGBT community and um, there's a lot of trans people and non-binary people there. And I started dating a non-binary person. And for me, it was, I learned about them. It was easy. I come from, I come from a strictly male dominated environment in the military where um, everything was binary. I had closeted gay friends, male and female on the military. Um, but they, they always chose he or she pronouns. So when I moved and um, had to readjust the way I was thinking, Honestly, for me, it wasn't that it wasn't that hard. It's you affirm what that person wants, and because you respect them and you care about them, and that's just literally it for me. Hmm. Sharon, so same question: When did the do you know when the they them conversation started? No, I don't live in a world where that is a common occurrence. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. I, I, I remember when I was when putting the show together, I remember and how the why pronouns matter a couple of Christmases ago, probably more than a couple ago, I was shopping at Barnes and Noble Ridden House Court. And my daughter is a huge Harry Potter fan. So I found some things in the store, but when, when I went to go pay for my items, there were more things behind the counter. And so I'm texting my daughter going, now, which house are you from again? And the person behind the counter was helping me. They were just fantastic. And at the end, I wanted to say, you know, thank you, kind sir. And it just was just kind of my normal way of saying, you know, thank you, ma'am, or whatever it is. And I was stuck because as I'm now looking at this person directly in the face, I was not sure of their gender. I did not know how to use that with a pronoun. Um, they were definitely androgynous and I, I was, I just, thank you. Thank you. And it was that, that made me started looking and hearing and thinking about how people present yourself. Sharon, I would say, thank you, ma'am, because it's clear as Sandy said that you were a female. Um, so how does the, so Sandy, it sounds like what you're saying is that the they was appropriate in that situation when I was shopping in the store and I wasn't sure of the gender of the person that was helping me. I would say so. Right. Um, and what I've learned since then, doesn't make it right, was that unsure of someone's pronouns, then you ask what their pronouns are. Well, you know, what's really interesting is that I have a younger sibling and my younger sibling is very neutral in their identification and we just call them T, like. T, the letter T? Yeah, we just, we just call T, T. Like, okay. like, uh, like there's, in the English language, there's already very neutral terminology to refer to people. I you understand the importance and I think that it is very important to respect anyone and everyone um, 
to how they're being, you know, to what they want to be addressed as. Um, but there's, with English language has, you know, gender neutral terminology. Um, yeah. And what are some of those? It's one of those things that you kind of don't think about until someone- so Until person. Ah, there you go, okay. Or um, that is a, oh, that is, that is, what do you call those things? That is um, a parking attendant. That's the valet. Yeah. Um, or when you're writing contracts, all persons or parties or the driver. So, you know, there, there is, you know, neutral language. And if it comes to an individual and, you know, there's some uncertainty there, I say, oh, I'm sorry, I did not catch your name. Okay, okay, I like that. My name is so-and-so, oh, okay. And I just refer to that person, you know, by their name. Okay. If, okay. I, like if I'm in a store or something and, you know, I'm not sure, like, is there a salesperson? Where's the cashier? Like there's this neutral language in the English language that I just use on a very normal basis. That's not necessarily gendered like some of the other languages like Ita like um, Italian, uh, Spanish. I think yeah. is also a very gendered language. Yeah. Like you can't say anything in, in those languages unless you're referring to something as like a he or she. Yeah. Um, they don't really have very neutral things. I'm not my majors are in philosophy and liberal arts so not languages but the things that I study but English is a very um like for instance here now in Philadelphia you know there are some council people who refer to, who like to be referred to as councilmen and councilwoman mm -hmm. um, but you know because of the rise of you know the neutral neutrality they just go you know by council members but even if you were on a board, boards have started to include, you know, all board members or the director or all, you know, the board of trustees. So a trustee could be a man, it could be a woman, it could be a general neutral person, it could be a trans person, it could be a, any type of person. So there is, you know, gender neutral language that can be utilized in the English language when referring to individuals. You know what, and when you say that, um... I would sometimes in describing myself or on a dating site, I mention human. Like I really want a human that's this. So, and that's my way of saying someone that's kind of, they're down the earth. They, 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 they relate to the humanness and how to treat another human. But yeah. it means a lot to me, but um, I use human. Um, you know, I like my humans to be thoughtful and funny or whatever it is. So um, that is another one. And I remember decades ago when even the postman, I don't think we have postwoman, but there's some terminology where we- Mail carrier. Mail carrier, right? Yes. Instead of the mailman. Yes. Um, even actor and actress. I think when I think of actor, I don't look at, I don't think about male or female. Uh, the the OR usually uh, uh, denotes a, a dominant, I'm sorry, not dominant, <laughs> think of something else, uh, a male mascot. Right, 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 but I've had other people or celebrities that you see on TV, they want to be an actor. 
So I think it's the, it goes to where it's the, the that word is like, I, I, someone just correct me if I'm wrong, but that word is, uh, I think, because it's that word in our language, it's kind of less. Let me just stop before I just mess myself up here. Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to just sit down for a. But, you, but when I hear people describe themselves as an actor, and if it's yes. presenting as female, I still take that because the, the, I look at actor not just as far as gender, but I look at as a, as a title, a description of what a profession. Yes. 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 And there are lots of folks who describe themselves as an actor. Sometimes they'll say actress, but it's kind of all encompassing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think I was trying to say that the actor versus actress, the actor was, you know, male actor. And I think um, that now that people are just um, going to actor, I'm clumsily trying to say actor is becoming the general gender neutral version of actor and actress, if that makes sense. Right. You know what? And, and I think it's always been, I was raised by family. Um, we went to, I remember seeing plays as young as I can remember, going to New York um, just years, well, decades ago. And at some point, I've always been connected to just my attraction to the theater, opera, just all of the arts. And I remember at some point when I heard it, I knew then that it was, as Sharon said, it's it's part of the entertainment world. I'm an actor versus I'm a camera person or um, I'm a screenwriter. Those things that the actor um, went to the right. folks that are, you know, acting. I know from the military side of things that we are trying to get away from gendered uh, terminology for our for our jobs, for instance, infantrymen or artillerymen. Now that you have more women moving into combat arms, they're trying to change it to infantry soldier or infantry marine or artillery crew member. And there's a lot of there's a lot of jobs in the military that are are already gender neutral, like uh, medic or my own combat engineer. You wouldn't know. Oh, that's a you know, a female combat engineer or a male combat engineer, unless you're being very specific to that person or that group of people. And what's weird to me is that there's all of this pushback, as you could imagine, about you know, military support. Yeah, from the old, but, old regime. Yeah, so it's like, oh, you're taking away infantry man for us because the libs, and like, you're still infantry, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> it's just infantry soldier, infantry marine. Like, come on. It yeah. I'm sorry. It will take time. It does, as with anything. And that's something that has a long history with it. Um, and especially if, you know, um, the, we had the huge issue of Trump trying to ban trans, transgender uh, military personnel and then overriding that. So. And before we move on, Sharon, can you just tell our listeners where to find you? You can find me on my website, which is makingourliveseasier.org. Um, I also am on Facebook, Making Our Lives Easier. And you can find me on Twitter, Miss Cooks, and on Instagram at Miss S. Cooks, number one. Okay, I have an LLC. It is 
called Making Our Lives Easier LLC. I am the owner and the founder. So it's a consulting firm that provides quality resources and information to underrepresented communities. Um, right now, I'm doing some digital and multimedia marketing consulting. Um, I also do communications and a lot of social justice and political strategies. Okay. So that's what I am leaning towards. And that's the things that I am doing right now. So I'm super excited because as everyone knows, this is an election cycle here yes. in Philadelphia. Locally. Absolutely. So there's some people that I am really championing. Um, and I am just really looking forward to... Um, May 18th, I think it is, or May 19th, May 18th, I think it is. Is that the primary? Yes, that's the primaries. Okay. And to see, you know, who's going to make the slate and to see, you know, what's going to happen in November. So I know there's a lot of stuff going on nationally, but I'm really focused on what's going on here locally because it pertains to, you know, my business. Um, I'm also an associate member of the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. So if you are a Black journalist out there and you want to be a part of a professional network of individuals, I would implore you to just take a look at our website, the pbabj.org, um, or reach out to Sandy Smith who is also a distinguished and honorable member of PABJ. Um, so yes, and I'm also the marketing and communications chair for the Temple of Women Network. That's where I got a master's degree from. So I am a little alumni and I have the honor and the privilege of serving them in that capacity. Um, and just to wrap up um, with the whole, you know, pronouns mattering, um, I will definitely say that I think then this is going to be probably controversial. Um, I think there's two sides of it. I think we live in a world that is highly, highly visual and this is things off of how things look. We all know that love can be defeating. And then part of me feels like, you know, it is the, on the onus of the individual to declare who they are um, and to correct someone. I think what becomes problematic with the whole pronoun discussion is when an individual assumes that someone knows their pronouns based off of their appearance, when that could be opposite. Um, so if I mistakenly assume that someone is a, you know, male and they're a female or vice versa, um, of course, I'll be very apologetic. Um, but I think it also depends on like, generally like the dynamic you know, a lot of these situations happen like in a more interpersonal, nonprofit, LGBTQ um, setting. A lot of this doesn't necessarily happen in 
I'm not saying that it does doesn't happen at all because it does happen, um, but a lot of it doesn't happen like on an everyday basis. I think the internet and even though, you know, I think the media has a way of distorting things and presenting things as a propaganda, presenting things as propaganda and making things more of an issue than they really, than the issue really is. I think there are a lot of important issues that are highlighted, but I also think there are a lot of issues that are exacerbated and weaponized to be used in a negative way. Hmm. Oh, definitely. Hmm. They definitely sensationalism will, will cause like fake outrage and things like that. Yeah, and I also think that, like, you know, I, th I think it's a great that a lot of institutions and a lot of organizations have been moving towards being a lot more diverse and a lot more inclusive. I think that's wonderful, and I think that that's great, um, but there also needs to be accountability on other people's parts that, you know, just because you're part of a marginalized group of people doesn't mean that you can't be toxic and you can't weaponize your identity for nefarious reasons. My God. Um especially moving to West Philly, I've been finding myself saying I'm, I'm Filipino and black. And I've, especially now with like this, uh, the, all the hate black people have been getting and Asian people are, are, have been getting, me being black and Asians, like I'm right in the middle. And this weird cross section I find myself in, especially with dealing with, um, people I used to know that are mainly conservative from my military background. It's, it's um, just, yeah, just because you're a person of color does not make you immune, immune to becoming a bigot. You can still be, you can still discriminate. You can still treat people poorly. Exactly. I agree. And, and Sharon, when you were giving your bio, I saw that you were, um, I'm not sure if you still are a member of the African-American Chamber of Commerce. Oh, yes. And I am a member of the African-American <laughs> Chamber of Commerce. Um, yes, I pulled your bio, so I had, I had kind of bulleted points there. Yes. Um, um, and, I, and there's a really great segment that um, Aaron Haynes Black did over like last summer, Portrait of a Pandemic. Um, if you want to read more updates on my story, you can go to the website and you can go to my website, makingourlivesaseasier.org, or you can read, um, we can't be selective on uh, Black lives. Hmm. And so who is the, who is your, for, for your LLC, who is your clientele? Who, who, who's the client? Like, so, so who do you serve? I guess what I'm well, trying to say. I mean, I would serve, you know, everybody, nonprofit. Okay. I've worked with nonprofit organizations. I've worked with individuals. I've worked with the trans community. I've worked with the heterosexual community. I've worked with elderly people. I've worked with people who were running to the political office. Um, I've worked with young people. I've worked with just about black people, white people every like literally probably like everybody okay um, okay anyone who is under like injustice for me like I my concentration for my undergrad is philosophy but my concentration is ethics so I try to be a very ethical person um and a humanitarian so anyone who is facing any wrongdoing or injustice 
um, that is something I have a very high aversion to. And I think that people, um, we live in a very capitalistic, exploitive, predatory society. And if I can help provide quality resources and information um, through either my personal experience, my academic qualifications, or my professional work, um, then that's what I'm going to do to help them make their lives a little bit easier because this, mm -hmm. this, there is a system that is in place that is designed to oppress us and that is designed to keep us down. Um, and we have to fight against that. So, you know, Black women are my number one priority because I am a Black woman. Um, black people are, you know, up there, you know, that's a priority for me as well. And, you know, any marginalized group. So yes, that, that those are who my target, you know, my target audience is. I have people come to me late at night about, so there's a lot that I do. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yes. Yeah. And, and so you're the four words that are that I have on your body starts with um, your bio starts with academic activist community organizer. And it sounds like what you just described kind of covers all of those things. I practice, sure. uh, I, my tagline is, which I'm, I, I'm working on, is practicing the art of philosophy in a political world. Okay. Nice. Right. nice. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Sandy's giving me the move on. Um, and some, something you just mentioned ties into our next segment. So we do, we do a segment that is a uh, trans spotlight. Um, and we, the topics can change um, depending on, you know, kind of what's going on. Um, we head on Chris Nelson, who has a nonprofit out of Lancaster, and it is puberty blockers um, it's 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 trans rights for minors yes trans rights for minors Not, yes oh my puberty blockers yeah. is an issue right right they, uh, they are working with so i think that it is very important just as an overarching umbrella for parenting for every parent to be in tune with their child because as a child develops, this is how I explain it to my audiences, as a child develops, you may not know that that child needs glasses until they start kindergarten, until they start kindergarten and they're you know, straining to see the board and you get a report from the teacher. Mm -hmm. You may not know that your child has a learning disability um, until that child starts developing. So there are several different medical conditions that can arise um, in a child during early childhood development and even later on in life. But I think that when it comes to parenting, if a parent is in tune and aware and wants their child and is allowing their child the autonomy and the space to be who they are and not project what they want them to be, what college they want them to go to, what profession they want them to be in. Parents project these things onto their children before they're even born. So I think mm -hmm. when parents take a step back and not project and have these expectations of what their child is, gets in tune to their child, 
Um, I think we need to focus on educating, having parental education and the bond between parent and child, because this does not only go for children that are in the LGBT community, this goes for all children. If your parent is not in tune with you, you're going to suffer some type of neglect. Generally, right. a lot of times it is, you know, LGBTQ children who are suffering that type of neglect. And in, in, in this particular instance, what we're talking about trans children and the blockers, if a parent is truly in tune with their child, they will know at the onset, according to um, the World Health Organization, the Diagnostical Statistical Manual 5, YPAD, and the International Classification for Diseases. If they are able to notice that there's, quite, there's an onset, they are able to seek the proper treatment at an early age for that child. So they would understand why this medication like any other medication, like an asthma inhaler would be for a child that has this particular type of medical condition. I think yes. that the public is explaining it wrong. I wrote about this in my master's thesis. It has to be a biological argument because a biological mm -hmm. and a medical argument is what has gotten the access to the necessary medical treatment so people can complete their treatment for their gender dysphoria. Before we, for our Q trans spotlight this week, it was, I wanted to acknowledge that um, it, on, in Mount Airy, it, said, it says East Mount Airy, but the article says in Germantown that a Philadelphia man stabbed a transgender woman um, because she refused his advances. And this was within the last 24 hours, I believe, maybe 48 hours. Um, I have this printed out here um, and they have not given her name. Well, not, well, not when I printed this out. So just wanted to acknowledge that and that our thoughts and positive energies are going to um, the transgender woman, the woman. So just wanted to acknowledge that. And. Oh. Um, I was. Okay, never mind. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was just wondering how we got there. That's all. <laughs> it was from um, the. I, I don't. Do we want to go here? Uh, I, I kind of. I was a weird sec into that. That's all. If you want to go here, we can go here. <laughs> I'm just, okay, let, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Not a disclaimer. <laughs> All right. Well, we 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 uh, are talking about the. Sharon mentioned that uh, having the research presented helps get access to treatments. Then we segment into a trans person being murdered. No, not murdered, stabbed. Stabbed. They lived. Yes, they lived. Okay, uh, that's good. That's good. Right, stabbed a bunch of times. Yeah. Okay. Um, the the thirty two year old victim um, was visiting at his home, his mother, um, and he his tore mother, off his the mother's. The the victim was visiting an, another was visiting 
a gentleman that was living in his mother's home. Ah, okay. And according to some sources, that gentleman thought that he was hitting a female. And during the course of their interaction, there was a reach for the breast area and there were no breasts in that area. And the gentleman freaked out and attacked that person. Not to justify it, but sources say that that's what transpired. That is a major development from what I read. That's a lot. That's a well, different context. It's a very different development, and they're not going to put that in there because there's a narrative that wants to be pushed. Mm -hmm. And unless you have boots on the ground and sources everywhere, you're not going to really know this kind of information. So every incident that is reported on, it's not necessarily reported on. It's sensationalized, and it. Some of it is propaganda. Yes, there was an individual that was unfortunately hurt. Um, violence is never a good thing under any circumstances. However, I think what people often fail to acknowledge, discuss, and recognize in situations like this is, and they call it victim blaming, but there has to be a sense of responsibility on an individual's part to not put themselves in certain types of risky situations. And if you are a boy and you're dressing up as a girl and you're trying to pass yourself off as a female, I just don't think that that was circumstances that were safe to put oneself in knowing, you know, the climate that is out there and knowing, you know, the narrative. Um, a lot of men who are attracted to trans women are fully oh, aware that they're <laughs> trans or men that they are fully aware that they're trans women or fully aware that they are cross-dressers or they're they have full-on knowledge of that i'm not going to say that there aren't situations and instances where it hasn't happened but th this narrative of um tricking people has actually in some states become a defense, the trans panic defense. Um, and it has been used successfully in some places and unsuccessfully in other places. But I just say all that to say that everything that is printed in the news, it's not always the way that things are in real life. Sharon, I wanna thank you for telling me that telling us that because I want to I want to share how exactly my thought process went about finding that story reading about it preparing for the show and then you saying what you said because when I first read that it was scant details and my immediate knee-jerk reaction was oh no another black trans person killed full stop that sucks we don't want to see it happen it happens now find more details if this person deceived another person that's different now i've that has happened to me that has happened to me in a dating game and it never went to that 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 stage someone what happened to me was i met someone online they had pictures of another person and when we got comfort comfortable enough to meet before we even met i was about to drive over there they admitted that they were a person they were a male person and they were gay and really didn't know how to meet other men. And my exact response was, 
I'm I'm not into men. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna react violently. I'm like, hey, I'm not into men. I mean, but when we were talking you, for like two weeks. But what if you had actually gone over there? Yes. You know, and not and you you know, Herman, you seem like a really nice person and a really genuine person and mm-hmm. you know, non-violent, but there are a lot of people who don't exhibit those qualities and that are very quick to anger. And we live here in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, I will admit, this was me yeah. <laughs> maybe 12 years ago. I am turning 35, me at 20 something. I may, I know I did a lot of things I shouldn't have said because I was ignorant. I may have, I don't think I would kill the person over it, but I, I mean, probably no, would have no, said. I mean, like we yeah. all have, but yes. I'm, I'm just saying, and it, like, it, it just goes to show from yes. your experience and then from reading this story, it's not so, it's a very common thing and it's right, right. far-fetched and it's something that people don't necessarily talk about. It's not yeah. trans women out here deceiving men. It's gay men who are putting on wigs or using someone else's photos to meet guys. And yeah. yes. yet again, trans women are taking the brunt of that and that's not okay and that's not fair. Wow. That, that's definitely a conversation <laughs> for um, a show in the future because I did not know that. And I think we I'll, can bring, I'll this. bring it to you if you want it, G-Tam. Yeah, we, we are going to call you <laughs> and have, you, and have you bring it to us. But right now we are out of time. Sandy is giving me the, the stink eye. He's, he has the timer up. We yeah. are going to move to our, um, we're going to move to our gas queue. Um, and then we are going to um, end with ask you. Are you ready? So, Sharon, our gasq segment is it just kind of got shortened over time, but it's our gay answers to straight questions. And I think most of us at some point have been asked, usually a ridiculous um, conversation. Um, uh, Renee, check chat. Yep, I just I. Yeah, I've got like two minutes. I've got like two minutes. Okay. All right. And that's that's all this is going to take. So the gas cue, gas cue is our gay answers to straight questions. So the question this week is, is it true that women become lesbians because they are exposed to too much male interaction when they grew up? You know, it's interesting because I was on Clubhouse and I was in one of the rooms and I just always think that like people are who they are and they're going to grow up to be attracted to who they're attracted to regardless of who's in their house like there's so many gay people who have been raised by heterosexual parents and they still came out to be gay and then there's people who were raised by like two lesbians or two guys or a gay couple and they still turn out to be heterosexual so I think a lot of the logic is just so like it's so low level I can't even it's, it's illogical and I, I really when I get in conversations I like to discuss a broader overview and I'm like well I don't believe in the sexualization of kids, period. So why are we showing cartoons where little princess, you know, Jane is falling in love with, you know, King John, you know, why are we even having those conversations? So, you know, I, 
a lot of the questions out there is people are just going to live their lives how they want to live their lives. And I'm not saying that things outside the environment can influence us to want to experience things. I think that life is about experience. I don't think that people should limit themselves. And I think that people have should be able to have the self-autonomy to explore and experiment as long as they're not causing harm to themselves or causing harm to others. And, you know, of course, they're of age and consenting adults. Um, Correct. But I think that is, you know, totally and completely fine. And, hey, if something's not for you, you know, I have kids to grow. I'm not sexually attracted to them. Where I'm emotionally bisexual, I'm not physically bisexual, <laughs> and that's okay. You know, what I, I, mean? I like that. Uh, I like that <laughs> that distinction: emotionally versus physical. That's, yeah, you that's know, good. Yes. So, um, I think that you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, that you know, I was like I said, I was on the clubhouse, and it was interesting because a woman told her guy friend, well, guy she was dating or talking to that she had had a lesbian experience and, you know, he didn't freak out. But the minute that she told him that he had a homosexual experience and, you know, he didn't like it. And, you know, that's how he knew that he was definitely straight. Like she totally freaked out. So I think that there is a double standard in society um, when it comes to gay men and gay women. Like it's okay to be like, you know, straight men love gay women. I don't really like gay men all that much. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's a conversation in itself. And then, you know, you have gay women that are just like, oh my God, I just don't like any man whatsoever. Um, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a conversation. And I think a lot of the questions that people come with are just really rooted in their own lack of knowledge. Um, I don't want to Absolutely. say tree. I just like to say lack of knowledge because I think there you go. it's something that you 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 have the information you know the knowledge and you're willfully still being ignorant yes yes Sharon it's been great having you I did not you. You, you were definitely the person to <clears throat> reach out for further topics well you know um, what? I'm already I going to get hot my name is Sharon and I'm with the mess <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Wonderful, Sharon. Have a great day. I don't want to hold you. I know you have like another meeting coming, but thank you, you so, thank so, you so much. So Take much. Care. Great seeing you, Sandy. It was great meeting you, Herman okay. and Renee. You too. Always a pleasure. All right. Take care. Always. Wow. Thank you. And that brings this uh, unique episode of To the Mic to an end. If they're not listening to us on the radio, Herman, where can they find us? They can find us on Google Play iTunes and Podomatic and Alexa can get us on Amazon. And if there's somewhere yeah. we're not available yet, let us know and we'll get there. All right. Absolutely. Sandy, you going to take us home? Of course. Bye y'all. You have been listening to Cue the Mic on 92.9 FM Germantown Community Radio, WGGTLP Philadelphia and online at gtownradio.com. See you next ne next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Simone. See you later. Peace.